Thank you for listening to the Love Your Bod Pod. Before we dive in, just my usual disclaimer that this podcast in general is for educational and informational purposes only and does not substitute individual medical or mental health advice. episode of the Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host. I'm Kara Carinthafelli. I am a certified health coach. I help people heal their relationship with food and their body. I support them in creating a healthy lifestyle that does not cause them guilt or stress. I support them in taking their time, their money, and their energy back and their brain space back from diet culture and all of the confusion and stress and anxiety that often arises when we're trying to eat and live a vibrant life. And I love this work. I'm really grateful for it. And we are continuing on today with the little Q&A series. And we're talking about all things recovery. So these are questions related to like the recovery process. And what you can expect, or I'll just share with you the four questions I'm covering today. Before I dive into two quick announcements. So the questions I'm answering are dealing with shock after allowing myself to eat whatever, whenever, and enjoying it. Number two, how do you get past subliminal calorie tracking? Number three, what do you, do you think mentally healthy exercise is possible during recovery? And number four, how long did it take for you to feel recovered? And I'm excited to answer these questions. Again, I think I might have said this on the last week's podcast. I'm not sure. I didn't prepare any notes for this. Normally, I have at least an outline or things I definitely want to mention. And I'm trying something new where I'm not even putting down notes. I'm just going to speak out whatever comes out. I'm going to trust soul. I'm going to trust my intuition. I'm going to trust myself and just say whatever needs to be said And we're going to just go with this, roll with this. It's a little outside of my comfort zone to not prepare at least an outline. And I'm all about getting outside of my comfort zone. I'm all about stretching and expanding and evolving. So that's what we're doing. Now, two quick announcements. There is still time to enter the giveaway to win a ticket to the Body Respect Tour. So that tour is perfect for you if you are wanting to develop a positive body image if you're wanting to connect more to your body and become more confident in your skin so it's a workshop with i am danny adriana who's a fat activist and ashley bennett who is called who is um a body image therapist they're both from australia and they're coming to the united states in october so all you need to do to enter that giveaway is screenshot uh episode 51 and then tag all three of us so you're going to tag i am danny adriana at body image underscore therapist and then at kara's kitchen and you're automatically entered to win if you share that in your instagram stories and the winner will be picked august 7th okay quick announcement number two and I'm so excited about it is food body soul so as y'all know I've been talking quite a bit about Food, Body, Soul on the podcast. It is my 12-week group coaching program plus an in-person retreat in January in Los Angeles. And the home is so beautiful. Oh my God, the home is so beautiful. I'm so excited. I keep in my meditations, often I will make my meditations like a visualization and I've been like having these visions of 
myself and the women at the retreat like in circle doing the the different like exercises and activities and the different like tools that you guys are going to learn if you're a part of that and a lot of what we're going to be doing in the January January retreat is like manifestation and connecting to our intuition and our higher self and we're going to be talking about like creating the life that you want to live and like the law of attraction like something I haven't really talked about on the podcast is the fact that like I'm a very powerful manifester and it's been pointed out to me I didn't identify as being a powerful manifester it wasn't something I like thought of as myself it's just been something that a lot of my my friends and my peers in the space have brought up to me and they were like do you actually realize like how good you are at this and I was like no I've never really thought about it um but I'm actually realizing now or I, I have realized that I'm really amazing at manifestation. And so I'm going to be teaching you guys everything that I do and what I've learned and how I do it. And you guys are going to walk away with really amazing tools. So I'm so excited for that retreat in January. I officially only have five spots left for Food, Body, Soul. So if you're interested in learning about it, be sure to reach out to me for a discovery call. You just go to karaskitchen.net forward slash FBS. Now, before the retreat, like I had mentioned, there's three months of a virtual group coaching program. So you're going to have a ton of support. Like you're going to have support for a significant amount of time such that like real transformation can occur. And you can have a really powerful shift in your relationship to food, your relationship to your body, to your health, to your well-being, and ultimately to your life. And I'm so fucking excited. I'm so excited. So that's quick announcement number two. All right, so let's dive into today's podcast episode. I'm going to dive into the questions all about recovery. So each question relates to recovery. Now, question number one is, how do I deal with shock after allowing myself to eat whatever, whenever, and enjoying it? So I do know that the woman who sent in this question is dealing, she's in the middle of her recovery from anorexia. And so I can understand how shocking it can be to eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and enjoying it after dealing with anorexia, which is a very restrictive eating disorders you guys probably know where you're not eating a lot of food and you're certainly not eating whatever you want whenever you want and you only allow yourself to eat safe foods in safe quantities and so there's a stark stark contrast from what it used to be like with food to what it's now like with food so I understand the shock there's like an intense polarization there right so What stood out to me, two things really stood out to me about this question. The first thing was how you said that you're enjoying it. And I actually want to encourage you to celebrate the fact that you're enjoying food. To really allow yourself to lean into the fact that you are enjoying food, which is probably new. You probably haven't allowed yourself to enjoy food or you haven't enjoyed food in a really long time. When we're struggling with an eating disorder and a disordered relationship with food, sometimes food can be like really, really scary. It can be the thing that we are most afraid of. And 
what causes us the most stress and anxiety and confusion and exhaustion. And so to then have this shift where you're enjoying it is awesome and beautiful. And you're designed to enjoy food. You know, there is a very real evolutionary biological explanation for why we enjoy food. Typically, or not typically, historically, Getting enough food to survive was really difficult and starvation was a real, very real threat to early humans. And so our biology rewards us when we eat. We get a hit of like feel-good chemicals and dopamine and, and it tastes good and we gain pleasure and satisfaction from it. And part of that was to encourage us to go through the very laborious task and effort to like hunt and gather and grow and migrate to get food now obviously things are very different for us modern humans we have like grubhub and delivery and like freezer meals and like you know grocery stores around the corner so we the environment has changed a lot but our biology has not shifted much in comparison to how much our food climate has shifted. So you're meant to enjoy food. That was a little bit of like a tangent there. Let's pull back to the question. Celebrate the fact that you're enjoying food because that's actually really awesome and you're meant to enjoy food. So congratulate yourself, celebrate it, lean into it. Now in terms of dealing with the shock that follows afterwards, The words dealing with shock, dealing with it, specifically make me think that you're feeling as if there's something to do here or that the shock is wrong or that I need to fix it and make it go away or that it's bad or insert whatever you're feeling. However, I actually think that the stretch here is to be with the shock. Can you just allow it to be there, to be okay, without judging it, without making yourself wrong, without thinking something needs to be be different, that you shouldn't be shocked, there's something wrong with it? Because there's not. Can you witness the shock? So a parallel here that might help you understand what I mean with, when I what I mean when I say to be with the shock instead of deal with the shock. Imagine that you're about to, like you want to go speak on stage or you're about to publicly speak or you want to go on Instagram live or whatever and you have a lot of fear and what will happen to a lot of us is that we will let the fear stop us from going and taking these actions that we want or we will let the fear drive us into taking actions that aren't in alignment with what we want. So instead of like choosing to get on the stage, we will let the fear drive us into choosing to not get on the stage. So the stretch would be to allow the fear to be there. Can you be with the fear and still choose to go get on stage as opposed to waiting for the fear to go away? So too many of us will have really internal experiences. And our internal experience will be anxiety or, or fear or nervousness. And we will let that internal experience drive our actions. 
Now, the way that we actually decrease that intensity of those internal experiences is by allowing them to be there without driving our actions. So without letting the fear stop you. So to turn this back to dealing with the shock after allowing yourself to eat, can you just be with the shock? Like, can you just let the shock be there, witness the shock? And continue to take actions towards recovery, continuing to allow yourself to eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and enjoying it, as opposed to making the shock mean that something is wrong, or making the shock mean that what you're doing is bad or wrong, or that you should go back to restriction or whatever. Can you witness the shock and be with the shock and then keep taking actions correlated with recovery? So that's the stretch here. That is what I would want to support you in doing is to let the shock be there and then keep practicing unconditional permission to eat anyways. Okay, just like can you let the fear be there and take the actions anyways. You just be with the fear. You just be with the shock and you keep taking actions correlated with the results that you want, which in this case is food freedom. All right, moving on to question number two. I hope that that was helpful. Let me know. Was that too like, foo-foo of an answer to up in the air not enough practicality there let me know okay question number two how do you get past subliminal calorie tracking okay this depends on how long you've been struggling with this or maybe the how doesn't vary the how I think might be the same but the length of time or how long it takes you to get past it is going to depend on how deeply embedded calorie tracking is in your mind how strong is the synapsis in your brain for calorie tracking how deep are the thought patterns and the deeper they are the longer you've been doing them the more challenging it will be to come out of them to rewire your brain and to not automatically count calories now I'm not saying that to scare you I'm simply saying that to let you know that if it's taking longer than you want it to take or you think it should take, can you practice patience? Can you take it easy on yourself and be patient on yourself and know that you're doing the best that you can and it's just just going to take however long it takes and that length of time is going to be different for everybody. Now in terms of some practical tips on how to actually get past the subliminal tracking, the first practical tip that I recommend is to go out to restaurants that don't have calorie counts on the menu and order whatever you want. And not going to restaurants that have calorie counts on the menu because that's really triggering, right? Like that would be really triggering and only encourage you to, to track and count even more. So first challenge here is to actually go to restaurants where you don't know the calorie counts and eat the food and allow yourself to be okay with it and deal you know allow yourself to eat foods without knowing the calorie counts and ordering what you want so that is actually a practical tip that you can take to support you in not counting calories and rewiring your brain to know that you can eat foods without knowing the calories practical tip number two make large batches of food at home from scratch so make pastas or soups or stews, or curries, or pad thais, or big salads, or grain bowls, or whatever. Like make food from scratch with a lot of whole ingredients 
so that you don't know the calorie counts. And when you're eating the meal, you won't know it, so you won't be counting. Now, of course, you may have to buy a few ingredients at the store that are in packages that do have calorie counts. So this will be an opportunity for you to challenge yourself and resist the urge to like flip over the back and look at the calorie counts. That will be really great practice for you in getting past it. And whenever you have that urge, you'll have to challenge yourself to not give in to it. And you'll have to tell yourself, yo, I don't need to know. I don't need to know the calorie counts. I don't count calories anymore. That ain't my thing. So that's practical tip number two is like actually make large batches of foods. You can find cookbooks or food blogs that don't have nutritional information. For example, my food blog, I don't have nutritional information on there. My upcoming cookbook, which won't be out for a while. I do have a release date, which I will share with you soon, but not yet. Um, But a lot of cookbooks don't have nutritional information. So find some recipes that sound really delicious and make large batches so that when you portion out your serving, when you like portion out a bowl of the soup or whatever, you're not going to know how many calories are in that bowl. And so you're not going to be able to count them. So this would be really great practice for you and getting out of that. Now, Practical tip number three is that whenever the automatic subliminal calorie tracker starts coming up, tell it thank you, no thank you. Like literally like, oh, there goes my mind, counting calories again. Thank you, no thank you, I don't do that anymore. And and go think about something else or distract yourself or just tell yourself, yo, I don't count calories anymore. I don't do that. Thank you, no thank you. Like literally do that. That will support you in rewiring your brain. Okay, I hope that helps you with the calorie tracking let me know was that a helpful answer I would love to get your feedback on this okay question number three do you think mentally healthy exercise is possible during recovery the answer to this depends do I think it's possible yes of course absolutely however this is individual it really depends on what your relationship to exercise was like during your eating disorder. So were you the type of person that had an abusive relationship with exercise? Were you an over-exerciser? Did you purge via exercise? Were you spending hours at the gym? Were you not allowing yourself to take rest days? Were you exercising when you were in pain? Were you exercising to the point of pain? Right? So is mentally healthy exercise possible during recovery? Yes. However, it greatly depends on what your relationship to exercise was like while you were struggling. Because... What might actually be the healthy thing for you to do? What might actually be the healthy choice for recovery or the recovery choice is to not exercise. Like literally like give yourself permission to not exercise and not beat yourself up, not shame yourself, move through the intense experience, the anxiety, the fear, the doubt, the urges, all of those things and give yourself a break. And to give yourself permission to not punish yourself at the gym anymore. Like that might actually be the mentally healthy thing for you to do is to have compassion on yourself and give yourself a break. So with that said, I want to share a little bit about my personal recovery process with exercise. So I can I can confidently say and that I didn't have an abusive relationship with exercise. Now, if I didn't work out, I might, you know, be bummed that I missed a day at the gym, but I didn't really struggle with exercise addiction and I wasn't murdering myself at the gym and over-exercising. So for me, going to yoga regularly, I went multiple times a week, was actually a 
fundamental component of my recovery process. It was a tool that really supported me in that journey that I was on. So as you guys know, if you've listened to episode 38 of this podcast, I shared with you how I was struggling with bulimia. And so during my recovery process, I had to work on eating adequately and consistently without throwing up. And one of the things that did support me in being okay with that in being okay with not getting rid of the food was that I was going to yoga multiple times a week. And someone could look at that and be like, well, you're purging through exercise. And I understand that how you could look at it that way. However, I can look back on it and know that I wasn't over-exercising. I was going to yoga. I don't want to say the exact number because I don't want to trigger anybody and I don't want you to compare yourself to me. But I can say confidently that it wasn't abusive. I wasn't going every day. I was, but I do know that knowing that I was working out consistently did help me in being okay with the fact that I was eating more food regularly and consistently than I had in a long time. And that was just a phase that I had to go through. My life doesn't look that way anymore, but it was a part of my recovery process. So recovery happens in phases. It doesn't happen all at once. And going to yoga during that phase was instrumental in my process. Now on top of that, it also really helped me with the mental stress that I had, not only from healing my relationship with myself, right, which is so much of what the eating disorder process really is. It's healing your relationship with yourself just as much, if not more than it is with food. But it helped because I had a really stressful corporate job. And so it also helped with that. It helped me get out of my head and into my body. So not only are eating disorders mental disorders, right? Like we're always in our head thinking about food and we're stressed out all the time about it. I then also had, you know, stress from work, which is pretty normal. And going to yoga helped me decompress. It helped me soften. It helped me de-stress. I could inhale and exhale and just like breathe and release and soften into the postures. And I loved the music and I loved the community. And so going to yoga regularly was a huge part of my recovery process, hundred percent. So I wanted to share that there because sometimes it can be, and then sometimes it's not. So it's truly individual and you have to be really honest with yourself about where you're at and what actually is the choice for recovery because the recovery choice for you might look different than the recovery choice for someone else. Okay, last and final question of this Q&A podcast. I hope you guys are liking this. Let me know. I would love to hear from you if you like me answering these Q&As like this. Um, okay, last question. How long did it take for you to feel recovered? So I want to preface this with saying that I understand that some people operate from the perspective of always in a state of recovery and they like to operate from that perspective because it allows them to feel empowered and be compassionate and soft with themselves if they ever have a hard day. So if they've made a lot of progress in their relationship with food and they end up having a bad body image day or they end up feeling a little crazy with food at one point operating from the point of view of I'm always in a state of recovery allows them to be soft and compassionate. So if that's how you feel, I want to honor you. I respect you. There's nothing wrong with that perspective. I understand it. And if it feels good to you, then that's awesome. And at the same time, like I've shared before, I don't operate from that perspective. I am someone that believes in full recovery and I feel fully recovered. And personally, I feel more empowered from the perspective of, 
I can actually heal from something as opposed to thinking that I can't ever heal from something, which is how it occurs to me when I think always in a state of recovery. It makes me think that I'm disempowered and I don't have the ability to be recovered from something. Like I'll always be struggling with something. That doesn't feel good to me. And on top of that, I also feel recovered. I don't have a messed up relationship with food. I don't immediately blame my body when something goes wrong. I don't turn to eating disorder behaviors when I'm stressed out. Like that's not how I deal with life anymore and I'm not pulling apart my body. And so I feel recovered. Now, I also have witnessed different phases of feeling recovered just like there's different phases of the recovery process, just like there's different phases of developing disordered eating. Now, from the day that I decided I wanted to heal my relationship with food, it took me three years until I felt recovered from like my bulimia. I wasn't throwing up anymore. I wasn't trying to lose weight anymore. I wasn't beating myself up. I wasn't stressed out about food. Like I had a great relationship with food, a great relationship with my body, and I felt recovered. That was, you know, a while ago. That was years ago, like six years ago now, maybe seven. I don't, I have to look at the calendar. I don't know for sure. Um, Time goes by too fast. For me, I can't keep up with how fast it goes by. Now that I've been doing this work for two years, I feel a new sense of recovered. I feel even more recovered than I did back then because I've really released my internalized fat phobia. And at the time, I didn't even know what internalized fat phobia was, but I know I had it. Looking back, I know I had it. I didn't know I had it at the time. Now, with the new education that I have, with the work that I do, the amount of people that I've coached, I know that I have grown so much in that area. So I feel even more recovered because I've really embodied the anti-diet way of living I've embodied intuitive eating and body wisdom I have really done a lot of work to you know peel off the layers of diet culture and internalized fat phobia and I feel a new sense of recovered now so I hope that answers your questions I wanted to share with you like the full answer about how like I've had phases of it And I want to leave you with this one thing that however, like the length of time it takes you to feel recovered is going to be different than me. We're all on our own journey and the length of time that it takes you to feel recovered is going to be unique to you. Just like your recovery process and what you need to do, the steps you need to take are going to be unique to you. Just like your eating disorder was unique to you. However long, like the length of time is also going to be unique to you. So you might feel recovered within a year two years, five years, 10 years, you might feel always in a state of recovery. It's just completely individual and that's awesome. It's all good. Whatever feels good to you and feels in alignment is all good and beautiful. And again, just because it took me three years doesn't mean it will take you that long. I don't know how long it'll take. It depends. It's different for everybody. Okay. I hope that this was helpful. I hope that you got a lot out of this episode It was really fun for me to record like this and just freestyle and I didn't have any notes prepared which is really outside of my comfort zone. I normally always have notes and an outline prepared but I'm I'm learning to trust myself more. I'm challenging myself to trust myself more and getting out of my comfort zone because I want to evolve into my next level and I know that not being so prepared is a stretch for me because it's challenging that perfectionist tendencies. I've made a lot of progress there in terms of no, but I still have 
some residue of my perfectionist days. And so coming on here and recording this podcast without any notes is a step in releasing that old way of being and really stepping into the new version of myself, the hot, you know, the more evolved expanded version of myself so thank you for being a part of that journey I'm I'm so grateful to have you here I love you all so much if you got a lot out of today please leave a ratings and review or share it on iTunes and if you're curious about food body soul reach out to your girl I would love to talk with you and see if it's the perfect container for you and just what you're looking for all right I love you all see you next week